1 Corinthians chapter number 6. Acts, Romans, Corinthians. As we continue to move through the Bible, just the uh, first part of chapter number 6, we're not going to hit on it, but I just wanted to talk about it just a second. He says, Dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world should be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge even the smallest matter? He's talking about the saints taking each other to court. There's always things he's correcting with the Corinthians. And he goes on through that and he talks about, uh, if you read this on your own, I want you to notice verse number 11 when you read this. Because when you... uh, when you read verse number nine, he says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. I want you to notice in verse number 11, and this is for free, this whole section here. Verse number 11, notice who he's talking to. He says, And such were some of you. And then he tells them three things, but you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So those uh, self-improvement Christians that want to get there without God, without Jesus Christ, the Bible makes it plain that all of it is through Jesus Christ. But he's, he's talking to saints. So remember that when you read through and you get to those verses 9 and 10, remember who he's talking to. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 2, real quick. And if, if you want to know who the writer's talking to, whether it's Paul, whether it's James, whether it's Peter, always look at the first part of the chapter. He tells you who he's writing a letter to. The book of Romans is written to the Romans. Book of James is written to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And here in Corinthians, he says, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. He's talking to the saved in the church. He says, uh, Called to be saints with all that in every place, call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So he's talking to the saved. Now we get into the meat of the message. You get to verse number 12. And he says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Let's pray. Amen. So let's read through this verses 12 through 20. He says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but the Lord and the Lord, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And what he's saying there, meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. These things that we think of as important in this life. those meals that we eat, how many meals have you had over your lifetime? Amen. You know, somebody said, you know, I read the Bible, I I just don't get that much out of it. And it's like, well, you know, my wife's cooked a lot of food, and uh, I can't remember all the meals. I can't remember every time she's done it. 
except maybe when she made cherry cheesecake or something like that. But uh, I've needed every one of them. I've needed every meal I had. But he said, meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but the Lord and the Lord, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. He says, and God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Now, I read all that, and I'm not going to go into it, (laughs) but I read all that just for context to show you what we're talking about. Our main verse that we're going to focus at, because this takes us over into a couple other passages in Corinthians, and that's verse number 12. He says, all things are lawful unto me. Now, when you read the other part, we know that fornication and all that. But verse number 12, he says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. You know, it's a it's a funny thing about rules and about laws. You know, uh, a few years back, 2017. Donald Trump had stood in front of America and he had two stacks of paper. One stack was about three feet high and had 1960 in front of it. The other stack was about six foot high and three stacks and it had 2017 in front of it. And these were the the regulations that the government has. I mean, there's enough regulations that I'm sure at any given point you're breaking the law at some point. No one has every single regulation memorized. No one knows all of them. See, the 1960 stack had about 20,000 regulations in it. And these, these dictate things like, I know when I was in the power plant, we had to take simple samples and we had, to, we had OSHA requirements. You got postal requirements. You've got, you've got environmental requirements. You, you have requirements for every area of government, regulations. And when you violate those, there's a fine. I don't know what they do with the money but there's a fine or there's some punishment or something. It's all written in those regulations. Well, in 1960, it was about 20,000 of them. 2017, there was 185,000 of them. So we can make rules for things, but then after a while, those rules get out of date. I was was reading in uh, one town in South Carolina, it was illegal to snore too loud and disturb your neighbors. Other rules, you know, concerned buggies and horses, you know, that uh, given the right away. I was, I was uh, one stupid rule I'd heard about uh, was uh, two trains can't pass on the track. They both have to stop until one or the other is gone. Think about that. But the Bible, you know, people look at the Bible, they say, well, it's a book of rules. It tells you what to do, what not to do. Well, the fact is, it's not. It's like our Constitution. Our Constitution doesn't lay out specific laws, but our Constitution lays out principles. You know, the right of free speech shall not be infringed. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. 
But as we get through time, as lawyers get a hold of it and as people get a hold of it and look for loopholes, don't worry, I'm not going to stay on politics. We're going to talk Bible, but I'm giving you an illustration. People look for loopholes and they begin to make it count. Well, now we've got to fine tune this, you know. Well, what about, okay, well, we've got to fine tune it. God didn't do that. When God laid out the Bible, it fits just as well for Paul as it did for King Edward in his day, as it did for George Washington in his day, as it does for our, us in our day, because he's laid out principles for us to follow. And right here in verse number 12, Paul says, all things are lawful unto me, all, but all things are not expedient. That word expedient means to uh, adapted for achieving a particular end. When you have an end goal in mind, Somebody that has an end goal in mind, you know, they say, if you, <laughs> I'm stealing this, in, uh, this illustration flat out. There was, a, there was a guy that came into town and he saw these bullseyes painted on trees. And at, inside of every bullseye was a hole. And he's like, man, whoever did it, that's a good shot. They shot dead center on every one of these bullseyes in town. He said, I want to meet this guy. He goes into town and he meets this guy and it's the town yokel. You know, the one that's not quite got both oars in the water. He's pushing his yacht with a five-horsepower motor. You know the one? <laughs> he meets the guy, and he says, man, you're a good shot. And he said, well, first thing I do is I, everybody else, they hang the target, or they paint the target, and then they shoot at it. He said, I shoot, and then I paint the target. Illustration being, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it. So we get goals. And our goal in this Christian life ought to be what God wants for us, ought to be to follow God. And the, the way the Bible's set up, and I've thought about this a lot, because what's, what's the application of the law versus today? You know, what's re- religion versus relationship? That whole walk in the balanced line. Paul says, all things are lawful for me. One of the things that Paul fought against over and over again was the Judaizers who were trying to say, you have to keep the law in order to be saved, in order, in order to get saved. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. Because it was God's law. The Old Testament was Jewish. And so they're saying, you've got to keep these Jewish customs. You've got to follow the Torah. You've got to do this and do that. And Paul, he had to break himself or God had to break him of it. God had to break Peter of it. But he, he had to come to understand God's grace. But God's grace isn't to be abused. So what's that fine line? What's that line that you walk? I've talked about this before. You know, the law says this. And man says, pushing it up here. Back in the early 1900s, y'all heard of Jim Thorpe? He played for Carlisle. It was, time was 1911, and Coach Wagner, they were playing Harvard. Harvard was a powerhouse team. That's another illustration. They're all stolen. Harvard was a powerhouse team. But Coach Wagner was inventive. And he got in, he checked the rules, and he went through and read the rules. And then he got an idea, and he said, there's nothing in the rules. He said, can't do this. So before the game with Harvard... He had footballs made up, brown footballs, just plain uh, decals, labels. 
embroidery. And he put the football in the middle of every lineman's jersey. There wasn't a rule against it. So when he did that, and he was the one that invented the fake and things like that, the fake handoff and things like that, he was tricky. But when he did that, then Harvard had trouble telling who had the ball. You know, so they run the, they, they would, everybody pretended like they had the ball, they had a ball in their jersey, and, and they really had one guy. I mean, he was so tricky that one time they shoved the ball up the back of a guy's shirt. They had some elastic in there to hold it. Everybody else went other directions, and this guy just kind of ran toward the field. He got a touchdown. That's tricky. So Harvard said, okay. And they had their crimson jerseys. And uh, Carlisle shows up for the game, and I'm sure he's got all his tricks lined up. And they get the bag of ball, game balls, and they, they got, Harvard has these bright red jerseys. When they open that bag of balls, they're all painted the same color as those jerseys. <laughs> and uh, well, as I understood it, he finally agreed to take those footballs off the jerseys <laughs> so that they would put regular balls in the game. So you make rules, and man's going to find a way around it. But here are these principles. Paul says, all things are lawful for me. Does away with that. But all things are not expedient. Paul always had an end goal in mind. He said, uh, not, he, he, uh, he pressed for that one thing. He pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in God, he says over in Philippians. But he says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. They don't push forward. So I want to talk about this, these principles. And uh, there's six of them here that we're going to look at, and it's not going to take as long as you think. But the principle of expediency the principle of enslavement, if you're writing these down, the principle of example, of edification, of exaltation, and of evangelism. So the principle of expediency, the principle of enslavement, the principle of example, of edification, of exaltation, and of evangelism. So as we look at these. So first, there's the principle of expediency. There's a lot of things that you can get away with, but it's not expediency. It causes you to trip up. He says over here in uh, verse 13, meets for the belly, and he goes on to talk about uh, the situation in Corinth they had. But there's a lot of things that we can do but they're not going to move the ball closer toward walking with Christ. They'll cause us to trip up. So look over in uh, verse number 12. Let's see. Verse number, uh, the principle of expediency and then the principle of enslavement. Look at the second half of verse number 12. He said, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, people argue and, and, and get mad, they just, people argue. One of the, what are the, some of the oldest Baptist arguments or the oldest bad arguments against Baptists? Some of it's drinking, some of it's smoking. Don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, right? Don't hang out with those that do. That's the phrase I like to throw out the old preacher sayings. I'm not going soft on you. I'm just saying, you can say, well, it's not in the Bible. And then you can argue scripture and find it here and find it there. You know, it's 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 a... Uh, not, there's new wine, there's old wine. You can go through the whole argument. 
it comes down to one thing. How many, how many alcoholics started out as alcoholics? It's just a simple question, right? It always started with that one drink. Nobody started down the road and said, did that first drink, well, I'm going to become an alcoholic. It just started that way. One drink, then another drink, then another drink. Now, <laughs> I'm loaded with stolen illustrations, but one guy, said, when he said when he got older, he said, I never drank, I never wanted to drink. He said, I saw a guy that was drunk that kept slamming the car door on his leg. He said, anything that makes you that stupid, he said, I didn't want anything to do with it. It just was not expedient in his eyes to start drinking. You can argue Bible all you want, back and forth. You can get all theological about it. But is it expedient toward your goal of walking closer to God? And our goal ought to be walking closer to Jesus. Amen? We're in church because we want to hear Bible. We're in church because we want to draw closer to the Lord. There's something within everybody that wants to draw a little closer to the Lord. But we let these things get in the way. You say, oh, you're preaching on drinking. Well, let me talk about something else. You know, back in the day, back in the 80s, soap operas, movies nowadays, video. There's all kinds of things. I could sit here and list them all out, and somebody could say, he didn't hit mine. I'm okay on this. That's because you're looking at rules. You're not looking at principles. The principle is, you know, one, something that trips up one person may not trip up the other. Somebody that turns on the TV may look at it and fall asleep. And then they get up and they go on about their day. Somebody else may turn on the TV and whoosh, nothing else in the world exists. Even what they're supposed to be doing for the Lord or even doing something for somebody else or something. You get locked in, whatever takes you over. So that's the principle of enslavement. Paul says, it will bring me under its power. He says, uh, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Look over in uh, Romans. Romans chapter number six real quick. Now, Romans chapter number six is talking about sin. And the Bible makes it harder. The Bible says, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Jesus, when he was talking to the Pharisees, he said, you heard it is written, thou shalt not kill. I tell you, whosoever killeth his brother without a, who is angry with his brother without a cause. Jesus began to internalize the law and turn it into principles. That may be an oversimplification, but that's what Jesus was doing. These, this is why these laws were written, was what he was trying to show them. Verse 16, Romans chapter 6. He says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. To turn this into a principle... Whatever you yield your life over to, whatever you become a victim of, it's like smoking. <laughs> Fella goes in to the doctor, and the doctor says, you got to quit smoking or I'm going to have to cut your leg off. He said, above the knee or below the knee? <laughs> but uh, we, we get like that. It's a, you, when, when something takes you over to that point, it's like, well, what's going to be the penalty for this? What am I going to have to get used to? 
So you become under the power of it. So there's the principle of enslavement. Now, turn back over to 1 Corinthians, look at chapter number 8. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter number 8, I love pointing this out because this is the principle of example. Somebody, somebody asked me what I thought of something one time when they were leaving the church. And uh, it, was a, it was a youth pastor. He was leaving. He was going to be separating from the church and starting his own church. And he, he asked me what I thought. I said, well, no man is an island. You know, the fact of the matter is, the, the, if you, as a church member, when you've been participating, when you join the church, when you leave, no man is an island. Because when you leave that spot, you leave behind a question mark. You, you leave by, I'm not threatening any of you guys, I'm just saying. When you, when you leave the church behind, you leave a question mark behind in other people's minds. Why did they leave? Are they not getting fed? Are they doing this or are they doing that? When the youth pastor leaves to start his own church, there's a vacuum. There's a great sucking sound within the church, and it pulls people out with him. Now, sometimes things are irreconcilable, but no man is an island. You set an example. You better be doing it for the right reasons when you're with God, close to God. He says, now, and this is in this example, he said, now, it's touching things offered unto idols, we know that all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. This is somebody who knows their Bible, and they look at the idols, and they say, you know, an idol's nothing. It's wood and stone. There's no God behind it. There's people that are attributing it to being a God, and they're, they're saying, well, that's a God, and I'm going to worship that. And they have that knowledge that it's nothing. But he says, knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Another word for charity is love, right? Makes it simpler. When you love other people, you edify them. You build them up like the front of a building, an edifice. You know, is you, you build someone up. You can build someone up or you can tear them down. Man, I've told you, I had to get middle age before I realized how bad you can tear somebody down. I was the one, I was griping and complaining at the job. Man, I was good at it. Been doing it since I was in the Navy. Stand around. Yeah, this ain't something to brag on. I was standing around, and, buddy, we could gripe about this, gripe about that, didn't get shore leave, had to do this, had to do that, just gripe, 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 gripe. And it wasn't until I was later in life, after I had to work with other people, that I realized how much it just tears people down all the time. You get around some people, and you say, hey, and they're, hey, and they're off to the car. I'm using that on myself. But if you're in that position, it might be time to realize what you're doing to people. But edifying is building people up. How are you doing today? Well, I got this going on. Well, do you need some help with that? Is there something I can do for you? Building people up, having your eyes on other people rather than on all the problems. It just drains you, somebody like that, when you're around them, right? I mean, the more it just, the day gets darker and darker and the load gets heavier. Okay, okay, I need to go, you know? Because you just you're sharing the weight of the world, but when you're building someone up, you're lightening their load. You know, when you're building someone up in Christ, you're pointing them toward Christ with their problems. Yeah. You know, well, Lord, can can I pray with you? Can I do this? But Paul says, now it's touching things offered unto idols, and he's addressing a situation of the day. They would in Corinth, you had all the idol worship, and they would take the best of the flock. They would take the 
the, the best meat that they had, and they would offer it up to their idol because that was a God in their mind. And if they offered this best offering to them, they would get that blessing. And they were always looking for something, right? More money, better situation, better this, better that. So you want that God to be pleased. So they'd take this good meat up there, but the idol's nothing. The idol's not going to eat it. The priest would take that meat and then put it off, and they called it the shambles. They'd sell it off in the shambles, and they'd sell it for a discount. Let me give you a modern-day example, not without the idols, but I remember in Alabama they had a, they had a store, and we talked about, buddy, you want, to find, you want to go to that store. We like resale, right? Or we used to. <laughs> Until Didi started doing estate sales. You can't take it with you. And you're leaving it behind for somebody else to pick up. But uh, that made me look at Goodwill through a whole different set of eyes. Do I really want that? No. I don't need it. But uh, the, uh, the modern day equivalent, when we, were, when we were in Alabama, there was a store there that had, they would sell the lost and found items from the airline. And, man, you knew that you just knew there was goodies. I mean, we're talking cameras, we're talking laptops. You know, that was the place you wanted to go because the airline had no vested interest in the actual price other than keeping their store going, you know. You would think Goodwill had bought the stuff originally when you go shopping there. <laughs> but because uh, <laughs> they squeeze every dollar they can. Amen. But, so these priests had no vested interest in this meat other than to get rid of it. It had to be sold. So you would go there and you would get a good price on the meat and it'd be a choice cut of meat. You know, I, uh, Dee Dee and the kids out of town, I get to choose what I eat. I was in a Walmart, don't tell anybody. I hate that place. But I was in a Walmart and I said, you know, I'm by myself. I could have me a T-bone if I wanted. I pushed my little cart by the T-bones. I looked at them. I could have some sausage. Fifteen dollars <laughs> for a steak. I mean, I I could go get somebody else to cook it for me. You know, a few extra bucks, they'll bring it to me with sides. But uh, you know, you imagine another place is selling the meat that doesn't have an interest in the first sale. There's deals on it. So some of the Christians had come out of that idol worship. They looked at that. And they knew, they knew what was going on. Somebody that comes out of the New Age movement knows more about it than you do. You know, somebody that comes out of witchcraft knows more about it than we do. That stuff trips them up. It's like, I want nothing to do with that. For others, it's like, well, I I hadn't had anything to do. I don't know. A a, a crystal's just a stone. I, I thought it was pretty the way it caught the rays. You know, for somebody else, they had a vested interest in it. So they would get offended. So Paul was addressing this. It was a specific question the Corinthians had asked. They said, now as touching things offered unto idols, we know that all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. I love that. I always say, you don't know what you don't know. That's very frustrating. You think you know it, but you really don't know. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. As concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. 
For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Now, a preacher could have a fit right there, going right over to Genesis, going right over to John chapter 1, but we won't do it. He said, how be it? There is not in every man that knowledge. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. So you have a weaker brother, and he, he may understand the principle. It's like being around somebody that was an alcoholic that knows all the years it destroyed them. Another example that I can think of is the difference in country music. <laughs> I mean, when you spent your earlier life going to bars and honky-tonks or whatever, and you know all that went with that lifestyle, country music, when you hear Merle Haggard or you hear Hank, well, I don't know, I'm going way back, but it's about the only kind I can stand. When you hear Merle Haggard or you could hear, hear Hank, well, that takes back to the bars, right? Somebody else that hadn't been there, it's just like, well, it's just music. It's the same with the idols. Somebody that was in that idol worship, when they see that meat that was offered under idols, they know what was in the heart. They know what was laid out for. They know what was wished for, what was prayed for. Over They know the energy that was invested in that. And also, it could cause them to stumble if they don't have all of that knowledge that says, all things are lawful unto me. Paul says, we know that there's only one God. So if there's only one God, it's nothing. They're, they're not worshiping anything. They think they are, but they're not. So it's meat. And it's a really good deal. Because I don't have to pay the $15 at Walmart for the T-bone. I can get one for five bucks. <laughs> it's the same cut of meat. And this is good stuff. But he says, he says, how be it? Verse number seven, there is not in every man that knowledge for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. Remember, this is the principle of of example. He said, but meat commendeth us not to God for neither if we eat are we the better, neither if we eat not are we the worse. He said, but take heed, here's his warning, take heed lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. You could, you could take a, a little drink of something and it wouldn't be nothing to you. Just somebody else is an alcoholic. They see you as the example of Christianity. I, I, I keep going back to that. I'm probably, I don't know if I'm hitting in your pee patch or not. I really don't care. It, this was a point in my life when I, was, when I was moving closer toward God, when I was putting things away. And I was there at the company Christmas party. And they had the IBC root beer. You know about that? It's a brown bottle. They got the IBC root beer. They got the beer. And I had put away the, the alcohol. And I was picking up an IBC root beer, and I was looking at that, and I was saying, you know, they don't really know the difference between this and something else. You know, I could drink, I could drink, I could drink, I could get drunk, 
but I would kill my testimony. How do you go and witness to somebody after you've been acting a fool? How do you tell somebody about a pure and holy God, a God that, that has no sin, a God that can't have sin, if you as a Christian are showing, walking around like a, like a comforter drug through the mud? It's the only way I, I it's only, that's my original illustration, right? You're trying to represent God, and you're walking in, you know. You just I forgot about the microphone. But, you know, you're, you're disheveled in a sense, or you're, you're not a representative. It's, it's, it just, you're trying to represent God, but you're over here, and it, I, don't, I just don't know how to go down this road any further. They look at you as a representative of God, whether you like it or not. And I saw that brown bottle in my hand. I said, it's going to kill my... I I didn't even drink root beer then because I didn't want to be confused. I wanted to be able to witness to every single person at work. Have I messed up since then? doesn't matter. Have you? When God convicts you of something, do you listen? And do you think of others or do you think of your own rights, my rights? You know, we're going to be hitting the Laodicea in church next week. Not this week, next week. The Laodicean church, that was a church of the people's rights. Everyone demanding their rights. But uh, he says, but me commendeth us not toward God. Verse number nine, take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee, which has knowledge, sit at, a meet, sit, sit at meat in the idol's temple. In other words, you know better. You know there's nothing there, and you say, well, I know it. I, I'm, I'm going to eat it. It's cheap. He says, for if any man see thee, which has knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered unto idols? And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. That's a tough one there. You just put yourself in front and you cause someone else to stumble. doesn't really matter the circumstances because these are principles. I could lay out circumstances all day and you say, didn't hit mine. But what has God showed you? And what are you doing standing on your rights that might cause someone else to stumble? It's always looking around. You know, when we were moving, I got some good ones today. When we were moving from uh, Georgia down to uh, Thomasville, no, Moving from Alabama to Thomasville, Georgia, we moved about once a year for the first five years with the company, company job. But uh, I was transferring from Alabama down to Georgia, and my in-laws were with us. They helped us move, you know, helped me drive the truck and all. And uh, we stopped at a, a Hardee's. It doesn't matter, Burger King, Hardee's. It doesn't matter what it was. We stopped at a fast food restaurant. I grew up an only child. I don't know if y'all know that. I don't know if I've ever said that while I'm up preaching. But I grew up, a, <laughs> I grew up an only child. And uh, when we got to the restaurant, been married a few years now, but I said, oh, I want some ketchup. So I got up, I walked over, I squirted me two things of ketchup, and I sat back down with my ketchup in front of me. Now keep in mind, there's Dee Dee, there's Megan, there's my father-in-law, there's my mother-in-law. No, my dad wasn't with me on that one. But I sit down, 
And I sat those things in front of me. I never forgot what came next. Just never forgot. Wasn't bad. And he probably doesn't even remember it. My father-in-law looked at me and said, always thinking of yourself, huh, boy? I looked down at my two things to catch up, and all of a sudden I saw everybody else at the table. We can be so self-centered, we don't see everybody else at the table. We don't see the younger Christians. Amen? And uh, I don't know if I've done it every time, but I tell you what, it wasn't as sweet getting that ketchup if I didn't help somebody else get there <laughs> from then on. But uh, so he said, but take heed, lest, by, let the, lest this liberty of yours become a stumbling block unto them they're weak. Uh, verse number 11, and through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. But when you so sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Wherefore, and, and let this sink in, verse number 13. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. Paul said no steak is worth causing somebody to go off into a tailspin. Young baby Christians, I, and I give you all this illustration all the time, but, you know, I always see the fighter planes flying over to Berlin, and one of them doesn't make it. And, and they get shot down from the flak. There's a storm going, you know. And you know, you, it's like two Christians. They're up there. And the flak is coming from the devil, from down below. And that flak gets to going, and, and you, don't go, you don't help them out. You don't get them over into a different direction, but or whatever it is, but you see that Christian, you ignore him, and then you see him go off into a tailspin. You see him get away from church. You see him get away from God's people. You see him go off into sin. You see him get away, and it's like watching him spin off into a tailspin. That, uh, that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. <laughs> words hurt worse than sticks and stones. You can wipe them off. I mean, it'll hurt, but it's a physical hurt. Those words, they cut right to the heart. They cut right to the core of somebody's being. You can't undo them. You can't take them back. You can heal a wound. You can say, I'm sorry. You can move on. You can help them heal it. But somebody that goes off into a tailspin because of words, you can't take it back. You can't undo it. Look at uh, look at uh, verse number fourteen, uh, Romans fourteen. Well, my hat do a brother Grady and cruise through these last three. Romans fourteen thirteen. Romans 14, verse 13, he says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. He says in verse 14, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest not thou not charitably? Destroy not him with thy meat for whom Christ died. Then let 
Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he that is in these things serveth he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. For meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. It's what we talk about conviction. You got to be careful about conviction because you can get a seared conscience on some things. But he says you have faith that there's just no problem with having this meat or, or, or doing this thing. or Well, good. Have it before God. But don't let it be a stumbling block to a brother. He says... Uh, verse, uh, happy is he, verse number 22, happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And uh, somewhere else it says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Go back to, uh, turn to Romans, First uh, Corinthians chapter number 10. There's the principle of edification. Does it build somebody up or does it tear it down? 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Yeah. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. Verse number 23. Verse number 23, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful, but all things edify not. He said, let no man seek his own, but every man another's well. That would have been a good time to bring up the catch-up illustration, right? He said, whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. He said... Verse 26, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. You go to, I guess the only modern example I can think of is bourbon chicken or something like that. You know there's alcohol in this and they know you don't drink alcohol. Well, what do you do? I don't know. It may be a stupid example, but we're talking about principles, not rules, right? Because rules, you have to constantly rewrite them. You have to update them. You have to include this. Well, I didn't think of that. I got to include this. These are principles that God that you use for guidance. He says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Verse 27, if any of them that believe not, these are unbelievers, bid you to a feast and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience sake. Verse 28, 
But if any man say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? He goes to eat meat at the unbeliever's house, and they sit down, and, man, that's a good steak. And he breaks out the knife and fork, and, you know, you do a quick prayer, and the other fellow is an unbeliever, and he's watching you. He knows where you got the meat. He lets you cut it. I'm sure there's nobody like this, right? Let you cut it. You get it up to your mouth. Yeah, I got the meat over in the shambles. You know, that was offered up to the goddess Isis or something like that. And, and Paul is saying, although you know there's nothing, it's not going to kill you if you eat it. But the example Paul is getting is push it aside. Do you have something else? Not because you would need it, because you do, right? You say, well, that's being a hypocrite. No, you're not doing it for yourself. You're doing it because of them. Because they're watching you. They want to they cause you to, they want to see what you do. Because to them, there's everything in the world to that idol. You're going to have to find your own modern day equivalent. Because I'd wear myself out trying to come up with them. But uh, the principle of edification. So he says, uh, and we're getting to it. We're, we're, we're rehashing for context. Uh but if any man say unto you, this is offered unto sacrifice, in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for the conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other, for why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? He says, for if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that for which I give thanks? That's why Baptists pray over their food. We can eat anything we want as long as we pray over it. Lord, please don't let that gas station hot dog kill me. Mm-hmm. That was the one time, you know, I, I, I spent a Friday afternoon learning Dee Dee's lesson. She's got Crohn's. I said, I see why you do it now, laying on the, laying on the recliner in just the right position because that hot dog was still putting on me. Burn every time I moved. And uh, that's free. Whether, therefore, you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. So we have the principle of example. We have the principle of edification. Look at uh, 23. He said, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. That's the principle of edification. Does it build somebody up? Does it help them to grow? Always thinking of that. If I do this, it's going to cause them to stumble, or will it build them up? And then the last the The other one is the principle of exaltation. Look at verse 31. He says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Does it bring God glory? If I'm about to do this, is it going to bring God glory? Or is it going to shame him? It's a tough thing. Man, this is harder than if I was up here saying, y'all don't need to be going to the beach. You don't need to be walking around in your underwear. You don't need to be doing this. You don't need to be doing that. It's a lot harder to say, does it glorify God? Does it build someone up? Is it going to cause someone to stumble? Is it going to help you in your own walk? Is it expedient? You see how we're working backwards there? 
And then the principle of evangelism. Look at 1031, 1032. It says, give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor, nor to the church of God. Now, there's one to highlight for a whole other reason when you're rightly dividing. You got the three groups in the Bible, the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church of God. That's a different subject, but he says, give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Verse 33, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many. Why? That they may be saved. It's the principle of evangelism. We're learning how to witness in Sunday school. It's an ongoing topic. And you can know all the right words. You can, you can know what to say and everything. And some people just rely on the testimony of their life. But I, I tell you, you need both. You can't be a witness without having a good testimony. And you're not going to lead someone to Christ just by being a good testimony if you're not a witness for Jesus Christ. They go hand in hand. He says, but the prophet of many, that many might, that they might be saved. So the principle of evangelism. Now, this is good help. It's good principles. But just behaving and just, just doing these things doesn't get you into heaven. If y'all stand. <laughs>